Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The last time that someone sinned against you, how did you react? Were you quick to forgive? Or did that sin give you such deep pain and hurt that you weren't sure you could ever forgive? Did you work on reconciliation and moving forward with the relationship? Or, or did you put up a big stop sign and, and say, I don't know if I can ever talk to you again? When people sin against us, especially when it's a, a deep, hurtful sin, we're not always sure we want to give them another opportunity. Thankfully, that's not how the Lord works. Today, we're going to spend just a little bit of time reviewing some of the history of the kings of Judah. There are three kings and a queen to cover, but we'll notice a pattern, and that pattern actually goes all the way back to the first king of Judah. Sometimes they serve God, and oftentimes they sin against God. But every single time they sinned against the Lord, the Lord gave them another opportunity an opportunity for repentance, an opportunity for forgiveness, and an opportunity to continue to serve him. And the Lord provides us those same opportunities. This week we began with uh, chapter 21 of Second Chronicles, and that introduced us to King Jehoram. And something changed. The kings that came before Jehoram, they were mostly, or at least partly, good kings. They worshiped the Lord some of the time, maybe even most of their reign. Now, almost all of them eventually fell away, but there was at least a time when they worshiped the Lord. Jehoram's completely different. He got caught up in the one mistake that his father Jehoshaphat made. We heard about Jehoshaphat last week. He was, for the most part, a good king, one of the best. His weakness, however, is that he made an alliance with the king of Israel, whose name was Ahab, and his wife was the wicked Jezebel, and they hated the Lord. They hated the Lord's prophets. They hated the Lord's word. They wanted nothing to do with the true God. They worshiped the Baals. And Jehoshaphat made an alliance by marriage. The evil king Ahab offered his daughter to the son of Jehoshaphat, who turned out to be Jehoram. And all that the Bible really says about him is he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Rather than following the ways of his father Jehoshaphat, he followed the wicked king of Israel and he worshiped false gods and he led the people to worship false gods. Now, what God should have done was said, That's it. I've had enough. I've had enough of the idolatry, enough of Baal, enough of Asherah, enough of these kings of Judah. I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth and start over again. But instead, the Lord provided an opportunity. In his grace, in his mercy, in his patience, he remembered the promise that he had made to David that one of David's descendants would always reign on the throne of Judah. And so even, even though Jehoram was this evil king, God gave him the opportunity first to repent. You probably remember the prophet Elijah. We don't hear about him much in the kingdom of Judah because he, for the most part, was a prophet in the northern kingdom. In fact, the major prophet with the wicked Ahab and Jezebel. 
but Chronicles records a letter that Elijah wrote to Jehoram. Basically calling him to repent, telling him that because he was so evil and worshipped these false gods, that the Lord was about to send a foreign army against the country, and that Jehoram's wife and sons would all die, and then he would die of a terrible bowel disease. But Jehoram doesn't listen. He doesn't repent. And so everything that Elijah prophesied came true. The foreign army came. The wife, the sons, mostly all died. And Jehoram ended up dying of this terrible bowel disease. And then it says, to no one's regret. Because he was so evil. But the Lord still remembered his promise. Almost all of Jehoram's sons died. The youngest escaped. And I can't, I can't explain how. The Bible doesn't tell us how, except that the Lord was keeping his promise that a son of David or a descendant of David would always rule on the throne. And so the next king, the son of Jehoram, was Ahaziah. And unfortunately, he was just as evil as his father because his mother was still the daughter of King Ahab, and she influenced her son to worship the false gods. He was also surrounded by other advisors from this King Ahab in the the wicked north, and they encouraged him to worship false gods. He formed an alliance with the next king of Israel, and God sent another king to execute both of them. This is where the story gets interesting, and that's where we picked up our reading today. When King Ahaziah died, there was no one old enough to take his place. And so his mother, in a vacuum of power, became the queen mother. Her name was Athaliah. And she intentionally tried to put an end to the royal house of Judah. Remember, she's a daughter of the king of Israel, and now is their opportunity to get rid of Judah altogether to, in their mind probably, reunite the kingdom and the the family of Ahab would rule. But that's not what God promised. God promised that a son of David would always reign on the throne of Judah. And so God provided another opportunity. Ahaziah, when he died, his sons were in danger from his mother. The queen mother tried to get rid of the royal line of Judah by killing all of her grandsons. But one of them also escaped. We heard in our reading about Jehoshaphat. I know the family line gets a little mixed up here, and I don't have a, a whiteboard to diagram it for you. But we're told that Jehoshaphat was the sister of Ahaziah, but they probably didn't have the same mother because the kings had too many wives. The sister of Ahaziah, and she decided to protect Ahaziah's youngest son, who was still a baby, and we know that because he had a nurse to take care of him. When she found out that the wicked Athaliah was trying to kill all of her grandsons, she took the little baby, whose name was Joash, and she hid him in a room. And then she and her husband, the priest, protected Joash for six years until he was seven years old. And then they got together with the commanders of the army and the leaders of the people, and they crowned him king. Now, when Athaliah found out what was happening, and that she had missed one of the sons, one of her grandsons. She yelled treason. They killed her, and Joash became king. And then we're told that as long as Jehoiada the priest was alive, Joash was a good and godly king. 
First, God kept his promise. A descendant of David was still on the throne. Then God sent this priest, not only to save Joash's life and to make him, crown him king, but to teach him God's word. And Joash was a godly king to the point where he wanted all of the people to worship the Lord. And so his claim to fame, so to speak, was repairing the temple. The temple of God had gone into disrepair because of all the foreign armies that had attacked and because of all of the kings who worshipped the false gods. But now Joash, he brought together an offering, he brought together the people, and they repaired the temple of the Lord. And things were looking good again until Jehoiada the priest died. And then like so many before him, godly Joash abandoned the Lord. And he too began worshipping false gods. And the Lord provided yet another opportunity. He sent Zechariah, the son of the priest who saved Joash, to call him to repentance. Unfortunately, Joash had him murdered in cold blood. So we see this cycle continue. Sometimes the kings serve God and all too often they abandon the Lord to worship false gods. They lead the people to worship false gods. And so God gives them an opportunity to repent. He sends a prophet. He sends an army. He sends some kind of disaster so that the people will cry out to him again. And every time they do, he offers them repentance and forgiveness and an opportunity to serve. And that's what God does for us too. We may not relate very much with the kings of Judah, but don't we follow the same pattern in our lives? We worship Christ. We come to church. We read our Bibles. We, we ask the Holy Spirit to give us the faith and the courage to live according to God's will. And yet, every single day, we sin. We rebel against the Lord. We, we worship false gods. Maybe we don't bow down to Baal and Asherah, but our, our busyness and our activities often take us away from the Lord. And the Lord should call us to repentance by striking us down. He should wipe us off the face of the earth and cast us out of his presence forever. But instead, he gives us another opportunity. First, the Lord gives us an opportunity to repent. I wonder if we think about it as a privilege. Every single week we gather together, we sing a song to the Lord, a praise song to God at the beginning of worship, and then together we confess our sins. We say that we're sinful, we've sinned, we've done evil, we haven't done good. Today it was, uh, we didn't do the things we should have done, and, and we did the things we should not have done, and, and we say that we deserve God's wrath now and forever. And I know that we're sincere when we say the words, but I wonder how often it actually hits home, simply because it's, it's so familiar. Do you know when it tends to hit home for me? It's when you realize how hurtful our sins can be to others. And they're just as hurtful always to God because God realizes that every sin is harmful to us. Our sin separates us from the people we love and our sin threatens to separate us from God. It is absolutely a privilege to gather before God every week and to confess to him that we have sinned and to ask him to give us another opportunity. To ask him to forgive us and to allow us to continue to live as his children and servants. 
of course, we have that same opportunity when we sin against uh, another person to confess to them. But you realize that every time we sin against someone else, we're also always sinning against the Lord. So those opportunities for repentance, they're not just in worship. But whenever we sin against another person, that gives us an opportunity to confess our sins to them. And I don't know also if we realize that even if we haven't directly sinned against another person, there's still an opportunity to confess our sins to them so that we can ask God for forgiveness. And every time we repent, the Lord gives us another opportunity to receive His forgiveness. That's why He sent His Son, isn't it? Jesus came to give us the opportunity to receive God's forgiveness. And just as we are tempted, Satan tempted Christ to bow down to him and to worship other gods. Satan wanted to be God. And Satan wanted Jesus to bow down to him just that one time so that he wouldn't have to suffer and die. And Satan promised to give him all the kingdoms of the world, but Jesus refused. And he said that we need to worship the Lord our God and serve him only. Not only did Jesus refuse to bow down to Satan, but Jesus willingly bowed down to his father. He bowed down to the soldiers who came to arrest him He bowed down and laid himself out on a cross to give us the opportunity to receive God's forgiveness. And now every single week, one of my greatest privileges as a pastor is to announce to you after we have confessed that God, our merciful Father in heaven, has forgiven all of your sins. But it's not just my privilege. Every time someone comes to you and they offer to repent, whether they've sinned directly against you or they're just trying to get sin off of their chest, you have the same power and authority to announce to them that God has forgiven their sins and, when appropriate, that you also have forgiven them. In fact, it's a promise that God made. God promised David that one of his descendants would always reign on the throne of David. Ultimately, Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. But God made a different promise to you, a promise of forgiveness that he made in baptism. I don't know if you noticed the sign up here, but yesterday I had the privilege to baptize two children from our child center. And in your baptism, God made a promise to forgive your sins, not just the sins that you committed up to the point of your baptism, but the sins that you would commit every day forward. Every time we confess our sin, God keeps his promise in baptism to wash those sins away, to clothe you in the robe of Christ's righteousness, and then he gives you another opportunity, an opportunity to serve him. Maybe not as a king or queen of a kingdom, but as a spouse, as a parent or a grandparent, as a neighbor or a friend or a citizen, as a fellow church member. Certainly, we can find lots of opportunities to serve people and to care for their physical needs. Maybe you bring uh, goods for the Winnicott Area Assistance Center, or, or maybe you're kind to your neighbors and you, you help them out with some of their yard work. But of course, the most important thing we can do for anyone else is to tell them that the Lord gives them the same opportunity that He's given us the opportunity to confess our sin and receive His forgiveness. And then God does something even more special. He invites you to come close and to dine with him at his table where he presents you with the body and blood of Christ to assure you 
of your forgiveness, to strengthen you to go out and serve others as much as you are able. And one final opportunity we have is to serve through the ministry of our congregation. That's why in just a few minutes, we're very excited to install Elizabeth Eckert as a teacher and assistant director at our child center. And I know I told you this last night, Beth, but thanks for coming again today. We're so excited to have you. We waited over two years for Beth to come and to serve with us. And now every day, Beth, you have the opportunity to teach little children that Jesus has forgiven their sins too. That you have the opportunity to tell them that God loves them so much that he sent his own son to die on a cross so that they could become his children and that they could serve him all the days of their life. We pray and trust that the Lord will bless your ministry among us and we look forward to seeing the opportunities that God provides to you and through you for our congregation. When someone else sins against us, we might not be sure we want to give them another opportunity, whether we want to forgive them or continue the relationship. But thankfully, through Christ, the Lord continues to provide opportunities to us the same way he did for the kings of Judah. Opportunity for repentance, opportunity for forgiveness, and the opportunity to serve him again. Let's thank God for the opportunities he daily provides by giving him our praise and our lives. Amen.